This is The Bannon Perspective, a podcast designed for independent thought of political issues. Not right, not left, but adult. My thinking is, if I've disappointed both Republicans and Democrats, I'm doing something right. This is Robert Bannon for The Bannon Perspective. Happy February 14th, Sunday, and the Congress of the United States gave us all a Valentine's Day present. It was not the verdict, per se, but the conclusion of the impeachment trial of Donald Trump. I want you to think of the name Samuel Kent. Samuel Kent was a judge And in 1990, Samuel Kent ultimately convicted in criminal court, but Samuel Kent was a federal judge who was charged with non-consensual sex. I don't know why it's not rape, but he had to admit that the sexual contact was non-consensual with two staffers. The House of Representatives, democratically controlled, unanimously, obviously getting Republican votes there, uh, charged him and uh, impeached him. And it went to the Senate for trial. Now, the Senate was also democratically controlled at that time. And Samuel Kent... The charges against him were dismissed. Why? Because he resigned. Now, Samuel Kent was a judge, so, you know, he could have been appointed. He could have served in some future capacity without having to be reelected. Nevertheless, the Senate dismissed the charges. And it was a jurisdictional argument that I think saved Donald Trump from conviction in the Senate. The Democratic House managers brought up two cases to show that there was jurisdiction to try an impeachment and showed these two cases as precedent. One was Blunt and one was Belknap. Blunt was the first ever impeachment in the history of the United States. And the Democratic managers made a great argument that, of course, the founding fathers wanted uh, impeachment trials to uh, have, uh, excuse me, to have jurisdiction over impeachment trials for former government officials. They themselves were members of Congress. Thomas Jefferson was the presiding officer of the Senate when this impeachment happened. So, of course, according to the House managers, the founding fathers intended for impeachments, uh, impeachment trials in the Senate to apply to former government officials. It's a great argument. What they didn't tell you is that the Senate voted to dismiss the charges on jurisdictional grounds. They also pointed to Belknap. Belknap is the only case in the history of this country 
where an impeachment trial was held when the official was a former government official. In every other case, the trial, the charges were dismissed by the Senate. George English, he resigned. The Senate dismissed the charges. Mark Delaney. The Senate didn't even start the trial after he resigned. Now, Belknap, like I said, is the only case cited by the House managers, by the way, uh, that even though the guy was no longer a public official, they went through the trial anyway. This was a heavily argued issue. And the Senate voted to retain jurisdiction. And uh, legal scholars point to this as precedent. Although in every other case, they dismissed the charges or did not hold a trial for a former government official. What distinguishes Belknap from Donald Trump was that Belknap was not an elected official. Donald Trump, if he wanted to serve again, run for president, he would have to be elected. Belknap would not. He could have been appointed by someone else. Ultimately, Belknap was acquitted. And while the House managers did point that out, they didn't tell you the reason for the acquittal. All but two senators voting for acquittal voted for acquittal not because they thought he was innocent. As a matter of fact, they believed him to be guilty, but that they felt that the Senate did not have jurisdiction for a former government official. So I believe Donald Trump escaped conviction in large part because of jurisdiction. But if this was a real trial, if the House managers and more importantly, if the Democratic, excuse me, if the Republican defense, if the president's defense was trying the case on the merits, they would have mentioned the other cases that I mentioned when arguing jurisdiction. They didn't even bring up that in the Blunt case, they actually voted that there was no jurisdiction, which would have destroyed the founding father's argument, excuse me, the house manager's argument that the founding fathers themselves voted to retain jurisdiction. Why on earth would the defense not even bring up that very critical point? Because everyone knew what the answer to the result of this trial would be. Maybe not the margin, but we all knew Trump was going to be acquitted. The house managers could have gotten up and read the cookbook, and 50 senators would have voted to convict. And the House managers could have got up and said, they just simply didn't prove their case, we rest, let's go to verdict. And you would have had probably, you know, 40 votes for acquittal. That's why this whole trial was a joke to begin with, because both sides... They weren't trying the case on the merits. They were, they were, the Democratic House managers were using this trial as a way to further dis, to, you know, mark Donald Trump's place in history, whether deservedly so or not, 
they try to, you know, forever stain his legacy. And perhaps his legacy deserves to be stained. That's not the point. That's not what an impeachment trial is for. Impeachments are not referendums. I posted online uh, a comment that Donald Trump, uh, or excuse me, that the impeachment trial was so powerful that the witnesses knew how they were voting before any evidence was presented. And someone made a comment. They they called him, uh, what did they call him? The, the Cheeto. Um, I wish I had it in front of me. Um, oh, here it is. Here, here's the comment. I'm sorry, but clear cut for or against. Are you for or against the Cheeto who grabs him by the pussy and openly mocks the disabled and threw his VP under the bus? You know, as I said online, I'll say it here, the person who made that comment completely missed the point. The point was that this wasn't a real trial because nobody really cared what the evidence was. You know, the fix was in. And, you know, talking about Donald Trump grabs him by the pussy. Now, let's, we all know that that was a, you know, disgusting remark. What did he say? He said, when you're rich, they let you do whatever you want. You can grab them by the pussy. Disgusting comment? Yeah, absolutely. No argument. When he openly mocks the disabled reporter, you know, I honestly don't know how he ever made it as far as he did after that event. I mean, that that was just unbelievable. But that's, You can't impeach him for that. You have to impeach him for specific high crimes and misdemeanors. Being an asshole, pardon my expression, is not grounds for impeachment. So ultimately, even though Mitch McConnell got up and essentially declared Donald Trump guilty and really just eviscerated him, I thought. He voted not guilty. And he voted not guilty on jurisdictional grounds. Now, maybe, maybe, Mitch McConnell used jurisdiction as an excuse. I'm sure there are many Republican senators who will point to jurisdiction and say, he was already gone, it served no purpose, you know, we shouldn't have a precedent of trying to remove someone from office who's already removed and telling the American people who they can and cannot vote for it. That's not the way a democratic system works. And that's why, despite feeling Donald Trump was guilty, that's why they voted to acquit. Um, now, that could be a firmly held belief, and I'd respect that belief. My guess is that many will use it as an excuse as opposed to them really, you know, truly believing that. We all know that if this was a Democratic president being impeached, that the Democrats saying that there was jurisdiction would say there wasn't. 
and the Republicans saying there wasn't jurisdiction would say that there is jurisdiction. We all know that. I mean, you know, there's what, about 10 people in the United States Senate that actually try this case based not on who was being charged, but rather based on the merits. I didn't have an opportunity to summarize day four like I did days one, two, and three, because when day four happened, was it day four or day five? I think it was day four. When day four happened, the result, um, actually it was day four, um, the next day was essentially the vote. So I didn't have the opportunity of doing that, you know, daily summary for that, for the president's defense. Now, interestingly enough, the defense for the president lasted, what, two and a half hours. Uh, I thought that the defense was much more substantive, uh, substantial than uh, time-wise than the uh, president's, excuse me, than the house managers. Now, the house managers, I think, half the time was spent just playing loops of video to just to inflame people. We all know what that the uh, riot, the people who broke into the Capitol, we all were disgusted by it. Uh, ultimately, I think that uh, this was a trial not based on Donald Trump per se, but rather on his supporters. Now, you know, certainly... Um, people would argue, and I think there's justification for it, that his supporters acted the way they did because of what Donald Trump said or did. And there's, you know, there's, um, there's some validity to that, certainly. But I would say that the defense, other than jurisdiction, um, made two other arguments, one very weak, one very strong, um, well, really three other arguments. Um, the weak one was due process. The Democrat, excuse me, the president's defense argued that it didn't go through the motions. There wasn't an investigation. There wasn't a, you know, committee hearings in the, in the house. Uh, it went to, um, vote without any of what you would normally see. And, it was a rushed impeachment. Now, of course, it was a rushed impeachment, but that's the House's prerogative. You know, the Constitution is quite clear that the House has the sole power of impeachment and that the Senate has sole power to try impeachments. However, even more so, the United States Supreme Court made very clear in Nixon that, you know, their, it's their prerogative. They set the procedures that they want to go through. So if the House wants to go through committee hearings, they can. If they want to go straight to a vote, they can and did. So the argument about due process, legally speaking, was complete hogwash. They knew it, though. I mean, these lawyers are smart guys. So when they were making these arguments, the, the point of the, of the argument wasn't to ask senators or to convince senators to acquit, at least in part on due process grounds. It was playing to the supporters of Donald Trump 
it was to paint their client, the president, in a more favorable light or as someone who's being treated unfairly uh, in the media rather than the actual legal argument, because there is no legal argument. The House can do whatever it wants. The Senate can do whatever it wants. They have that right. The Nixon case made that quite clear. Uh, Another reason why I feel that the House managers weren't really trying to case on the merits, because rather than get up and defend their legal position, they didn't bring up Nixon, which absolutely they should have. But instead, they argued, you know, why President Trump got all the due process, you know, that he was entitled to. He was offered to testify or, you know, to appear. He chose not to. You know, he could have. Um, None of that is a legal argument against the president's due process uh, claim. Um, All they had to do was say, okay, Supreme Court and Nixon said we get to do, we set the rules and it's our prerogative and that's the end of it. Uh, And while that would have been true, it wouldn't have played well. So again, the House managers aren't stupid people either. So the other um, defense the president's uh, team made was that Donald Trump did not, uh, his actions did not rise to the criminal level of uh, incitement. From a criminal standpoint, you know, the to be guilty of incitement requires specific things. The Brandenburg v. Ohio case spells that out. Is Donald Trump give, guilty of incitement on a criminal level using the Brandenburg case? Uh, I would argue that he's not guilty of incitement. Um, you know, I don't think it, it meets the threshold set forth in Brandenburg, but I don't know that it really matters. This was not a criminal trial. The standard of proof is whatever the Senate says it is. The charge by the House uh, isn't a criminal charge. So while the defense, I thought, was a good one from a PR standpoint or a way to sort of, you know, give Republicans a way to say not guilty um, on an impeachment trial, I don't know that Brandenburg's technically relevant. I think, you know, the the most theatrical of the president's defense was the videos of, uh, were the videos, excuse me, of Trump's uh, argument or the or the president's attorney's arguments about how this speech was really no different than the speech from. Other politicians, uh, certainly they uh, illustrated the Democrats. Uh, I don't believe they've illustrated Republican comments like this, but they certainly may have. Um, Most of them related to the riots of last summer uh, after George Floyd. And, you know, they basically said, you know, Donald Trump said, you know, you need to fight like hell. Well, guess what? There was video after video after video of various Democratic 
um, politicians, TV pundits, what have you, um, saying things that were much more explicit than fight like hell. Um, although there were lots of fight like hells. Joe Biden, I want to take him out back behind the gym and beat him up. Uh, I think Cory Booker said punch him, throw a punch. Uh, I mean, there were, there were, I'm not going to get into all the, all the uh, examples, but they basically made a defense of, you know, yes, Donald Trump said some pretty inflammatory things, but so did everybody else. And these are the same people who said similar things, yet are now saying that Donald Trump incited violence by saying the same type of thing. I think the biggest difference here is, of course, in those cases, we didn't have an insurrection. Um, But that doesn't make the, the rhetoric insightful and it definitely showed a double standard. Uh, and there's no question there's a double standard. I mean, you know, you, you look at what happened last summer and and also 10 years ago in Michigan or Wisconsin. I can't remember off the top of my head now. I think it was Wisconsin, excuse me. Um, where, you know, pro-union uh, demonstrators stormed the Capitol in Wisconsin 10 years ago and uh, yelled things very similar to what the people on January 6th were yelling. And Nancy Pelosi said it was an impressive display of democracy. Um, You know, I could go on and on with the examples of the hypocrisy. And if anyone believes, you know, that there isn't hypocrisy, then you're only kidding yourself. So it it, it was a whataboutism. You know, you're saying Donald Trump is guilty of incitement for saying the same things that you yourselves have said. Um, They also defended against the uh, fighting the election results by saying that Democrats did the same thing. They showed video after video after video of, of all people, Jamie Raskin, the lead House uh, manager, um, objecting to certification in 2017 when Donald Trump was elected. So, you know, here you are having Jamie Raskin saying, you know, it's, you know, Trump's guilty because he riled his base up because he told them that the election was stolen. Well, wait a minute. You yourself, sir, Jamie Raskin, you know, objected to certification, you know, arguing that Trump's fighting certification was, you know, partly insightful. So it was a lot of, it was a lot of, well, maybe I did, but so did you, you know, a lot of whataboutism. Ultimately, I think the the Democrats, the strongest thing in their case, and this is something that really, really hit home with me, is that they demonstrated that Donald Trump uh, tweeted uh, his uh, Mike Pence let us down argument, or or tweet, excuse me, um, while the insurrection was going on. So my personal belief is that what did the Democrats 
and the House managers, what did they prove in the impeachment trial? I do not believe they they, uh, proved that Donald Trump intended for that riot to occur. You know, they said that they, you know, he made the date and the location to be, you know, to match up against the certification. Well, of course he did. That's where they were doing it. That's when they were doing it. If you're going to protest the certification, you don't protest the day after. You don't protest somewhere else. I mean, it, it only makes sense that that is when and where they he would do it. That's not evidence of anything. Um, the fact that it was argued that, you know, him arguing over and over and over again, the election stolen, you know, he, he agitated those people to the point where, you know, they were following what they believed uh, he wanted them to do. Uh, do I think he wanted them to protest? Absolutely. Of course he did. Um, he wanted a scene. Did he want a riot? There was nothing in there that, to me, proved that that was the case. I do believe that when the, the riot happened, Donald Trump's tweeting about Mike Pence letting them down further inflamed an existing riot. And that is the straw that broke the camel's back for me as it relates to Donald Trump. If I was a senator and the facts were exactly the same, would I vote to convict? I would have to say yes if Donald Trump was still the president. I have a huge problem with the jurisdiction. The idea of telling the American people they can't vote for someone is something very, very troubling. And I don't believe, based on what I said earlier, that there is an establishment of precedent. There's an argument to be made for and against, and legal scholars don't necessarily agree on this, And there are a ton of scholars that say why there is jurisdiction. There are people that say why there isn't jurisdiction. But at the end of the day, every single case ever brought to the Senate for impeachment in the history of this country for a former official has been dismissed or the trial has never been held with the exception of one, well, now two, and the prior one was for an unelected official who ultimately was acquitted, not dismissed, but acquitted on jurisdictional grounds. So I don't think that there is jurisdiction here. And I think that if you're going to establish jurisdiction, you have to be damn sure. And I think that for an elected official, it has to cut in favor of the American people and not 100 senators deciding who can and who cannot run for public office. As for his guilt or his um, innocence, if you will, um, I, I don't believe him to be guilty of inciting a riot by that speech. I believe his actions after the speech, or excuse me, after the riot ensued, were derelict. 
I believe that his tweet about Mike Pence made the situation worse and that he failed in his obligation to faithfully execute and see that the laws are executed and to support and defend the Constitution because the Constitution, you know, sets forward, you know, a process, what's in place, and Trump was fighting that. Problem is, that's not what Donald Trump was charged with. Donald Trump was charged with inciting a riot. Had Donald Trump been charged with trying to usurp constitutional the constitutional role of the Senate and not respecting the processes regarding the peaceful transition of power, and if he was charged with, you know, failing to secure the Capitol or failing to render aid or fail, you know, he could have been charged with a hundred different things. But because it was rushed through, the Democrats just threw up the incitement of the riot because they figured that was a, you know, a sure thing. Not in terms of conviction, but everyone could get behind that. You know, the sad part is there was a witness who was telling people for weeks why the, um, uh, and this all witness almost got called. Uh, this is a witness out in either Washington or Oregon, I believe. Uh, a congresswoman, a Republican congresswoman, who said that Mike Pence, excuse me, that Donald Trump got on the phone with uh, the minority leader or the ranking member and said, well, I guess those guys are more upset about the election than you are. And, you know, they wanted to call her as a, as a witness. And the problem with that is that had they actually done an, an investigation and not done it so quickly, they would have known about her comments from the very beginning. So the Democrats really, you know, kind of messed up in the way they did it. But what could they do? I mean, he was on his way out the office and they wanted to hurry up and impeach him before January 20th. So ultimately, on the incitement ground alone, it's really moot when you think about the jurisdictional issue as far as you know, forget jurisdiction. Did he actually do it? You know, I already told you how I feel. I told you what I thought the evidence presented. The House Democrats just played rioters on a loop over and over again, talked about how horrible it was, um, how close some of the senators and congressmen and staffers, you know, how close they were to danger. All of those things, true. All of them. Um, however... You know, Donald Trump wasn't really uh, impeached. And if they had additional articles, you know, they could have charged him with, you know, failing to secure the Capitol. And, you know, I already talked about this, but they just jammed it through. And I think to their to their detriment, to the detriment of their case. Ultimately, I'm glad the whole thing is over. Um, I think it illustrated... Uh, a major problem in our country. Uh, the major problem is, 
and anybody can just turn on the news and Facebook and Twitter, and and my point is proven. If you are a supporter of Donald Trump, uh, you believe he ought to have been acquitted. And if you are a proponent, or excuse me, an opponent of Donald Trump, if you're anti-Trump, then you thought he should have been convicted. And what was presented at the actual trial didn't even matter. And I remind you of that Facebook post that I, that I quoted before, talking about how senators made up their mind before any evidence was presented. And that is the major problem in this country because impeachments, we've had four presidential impeachments since the founding of this country, and I've witnessed three of them. And that is so incredibly sad. And I believe that impeachment will now become a tool used when the president is of one party and the Congress is of another. And rather than fighting at the ballot box, they will fight in an impeachment court. And the impeachment provision of the Constitution was never intended for it to be that way. It was intended to be to get to be able to get someone out of office, not have to wait for the next election that posed a serious threat to our country. I also believe that the founding fathers in large part were afraid because they had just come broken off from a from a uh, monarchy that they were afraid about a president who would be unwilling to give up power. And who would try to, you know, somehow exploit something that would enable them to try to stay in power, which many would argue is exactly what Donald Trump did. And, but once he was gone, uh, this was just theater. That's all this was. And it didn't really serve any purpose. And you have people getting up on TV and talking about how bipartisan it is. One, one congressman got on TV and said that, you know, we didn't get the two-thirds, but it was the closest uh, in vote in history to convict. Uh, didn't, does it matter that Andrew Johnson's impeachment trial failed by a single vote against conviction? But, you know, get up and say that Donald Trump, you know, that it was the closest uh, vote in history and, and people will believe it because, you know, you said it on the news, it must be true. Absolutely sad that this is where we're at in this country when it comes to impeachments. And even though it came from a wacko, right-wing wacko, um, an article of impeachment has already been presented against uh, Joe Biden. It, you know, I mean, yes, it came from a wacko, and it went nowhere, but you know this is this is like the new thing. So, you know, two years from now, imagine for a moment, Joe Biden isn't as popular as he is today, and maybe he doesn't do anything, you know, quote unquote, wrong, or you know, doesn't commit a high crime, doesn't commit a misdemeanor. 
under the meaning of the Constitution's impeachment clause. But imagine for a moment that people being, you know, typical Americans, they vote for the other guy and they aren't satisfied. They never got the $2,000 they were promised. Schools didn't reopen like he promised. I mean, you can go on and on and Republicans take over the control of the House and super majorities in Congress in this government don't last very long. If you look to history, when there's been a Democratic or Republican controlled House, Senate and White House, that does not last long. So the tide will turn, Republicans will regain the House and imagine they gain a couple seats in the Senate. Now all of a sudden, you can impeach Joe Biden not because he committed a high crime or misdemeanor, but simply because, you know, they want to remove him. And now we have set the precedent that that can happen. So it's very sad, this whole situation. And now we are at a crossroads where we have to ask ask ourselves, is this the system of government we, we want? Unfortunately, this is a road that once you go down, you can't turn around. Might not happen five years from now, might not happen 10 years from now. But the same arguments that the Democrats used to convict Donald Trump will turn into the arguments Republicans will use to impeach someone else, whether it's Biden or some other Democratic president. Just like what happened in the Bill Clinton case, the arguments that Jerry Nadler and the like made against the Clinton impeachment, they said the exact opposite in Trump's impeachment. And nobody cares. And that's the problem. So the trial is over. Hopefully we get to move on. I do believe that this was very short-sighted on the Democrats because I believe that the Democrats will uh, ultimately um, be harmed by impeaching Trump because the people who hated him, you know, that hate him today, hated him yesterday. Um, This trial didn't exactly convince people, oh my God, what he did was so horrible. You know, this didn't sway people for the most part. There are some people who looked at it and said, you know what? That was worse than I thought, or I didn't know about that. But nobody, virtually nobody looks at things objectively. So Donald Trump is going to pick up this impeachment badge and wear it as a badge of honor. They tried to put me down. They tried to get rid of me. But we fought back and won. Are you telling me you can't imagine Donald Trump saying that two, three years from now? So congratulations, Democrats. You impeached Donald Trump on a charge that was never, ever going to win. And all it did was embolden his base and the people that were never going to vote for him ever are just as disgusted with him as they were before. So who, who really won in all of this? Unfortunately, our democracy 
is less strong because of it. Because we are now using impeachment as a political weapon rather than a judicial one. And that hurts us all. So I'm glad it's over. Uh, I am very grateful for the comments that I've gotten from people. And, you know, I want to say that uh, my podcast will hopefully not bring up the Trump name for some time, although God only knows what Trump will do. Lately, he's been very quiet. Uh, So that may continue. So as for future episodes, I can now turn to more pressing and uh, more substantive issues uh, rather than assessing uh, what has been, I believe, uh, nothing but political theater on both sides. Have a great week, and thanks for listening.